I, David, take thee, Carolyn, to be my wedded wife. We can win the battle against this disease. Hypnotherapy could control that. We're going to have to build up slowly until we reach an image that's strong enough for you to hold on to. Carol! With this ring, David! I win. On Adam's Corner, uh, my podcast and my video channel, whichever one you're watching at the time, uh, we are honored to have Mr. Kenneth Johnson, the creator of many, many memorable television series and a couple of memorable films as well. Uh, the creator of The Bionic Woman, The Incredible Hulk, V, the original telefilm that started it all, and Alien Nation, and of course the uh, films, the theatrical films, uh, Steel and Short Circuit 2. And those all, there are people who are fans of all of these uh, uh, in um, their various capacities, and we are just honored to have you here to talk about on this occasion something that's near and dear to my heart. And that is the second season opener of The Incredible Hulk, uh, September 22nd, 1978. I was a little eight-year-old boy in the third grade and uh, watching this as it was originally broadcast on our local CBS affiliate. I had been following The Hulk very diligently since uh, the uh, second telefilm is the one that caught my attention. I missed the first one on its original airing. I did see it when it re-aired. Uh, but the the second film, and then I was off and running. I was with the show and just such a huge <laughs> fan. And the second season opener married, uh, as I said, open uh, it uh, sub- September twenty second, nineteen seventy eight. And what makes this episode so memorable is the fact that well, it's great for one thing. It's uh, one of the most <laughs> moving things I've ever seen on television to this day. Uh, still moves me to tears. I put it up on my projector just three nights ago just to um, refresh my memory, and I still was just moved incredibly. Uh, but it was the first episode of a science fiction television show to win a non-technical award, in this case uh, for Best uh, Actress, uh, Marriott Hartley, who plays the, uh, the unfortunately, um, the doomed second wife of Dr. David Banner. But we're, we're going to get you to tell us a little bit about the uh, the origins of this story. Uh, the series sure. had debuted in March of 78 after the two television films. And uh, so it was kind of a half a season. This was the beginning of your first full season. And we'll let you take it from there. That's right. Uh, well, first of all, Adam, I'm delighted to be here and to, and to be able to talk to you about that. Uh, yeah, married was a game changer uh, for a, a lot of people. When uh, I remember when it came out, the Variety review for the the uh, the first for for married was that, gee, maybe nobody's been looking, but uh, the Incredible Hulk has be- become one of the best dramatic television shows that uh, was on the air, and uh, and I was of course delighted to you know to hear about that. Um, the the particular episode of Married came from from sort of two two places at the same time. Um, one is that uh, a friend of mine who was a psychologist, a brilliant young guy who who unfortunately died uh, way too young, had been doing a research using hypnotherapy to uh, to treat cancer. Uh, not in terms of the pain of cancer, because that had been done a lot by hypnotherapists. Uh, to help patients who were suffering from cancer pain. But what Don was interested in was actually using hypnotherapy to try to attack 
the cancer and get it into remission. And he was in fact successful with several of the people that he worked with by using visual imagery under hypnosis uh, and giving them Im images that they could really tangibly look at, like, and we used it in, in, in Married, uh, like a, an old wagon train being attacked by uh, uh, raging Indians around them and the people on the inside shooting back. And the, the Indian attack from the outside was represented the cancer. And the people on the inside that were fighting back represented I, the, the patient who was endeavoring to fight back. And I thought, wow, that's really, really fascinating uh, psychological research. But uh, cinematically, uh, it would allow me to put my leading, my two leading men in the frame of the same picture at the same time. Uh, because usually when we were doing the show, um, Bill would come in, Bill Bixby would come in and do his part of the, the scenes. And then when the white eyes happened and he began to hulk out, then it was, okay, Bix, thanks a lot. We'll see you later. And uh, then Lou would step in, but they were never in the, in the scenes at the same time. And I realized by putting him under hypnosis, I could do that. Uh, and, um, and it became a really interesting jumping off place to try to figure out how it would work and why it would work that way. Um, and, um, uh, and Bix and I were very concerned about who was going to be the leading lady because I had decided I, my other, the other half of the, uh, the key for this was the fact that it had always intrigued me about the idea of having a woman go to bed with Bill Bixby and <laughs> up with Lou Ferrigno and start singing, oh, sweet mystery of life, at last I found you, you know, <laughs> and, uh, like um, uh, Mel Brooks did in uh, Young Frankenstein. Uh, <laughs> And um, uh, and I realized this was a, a way to, that I could do that, but I wanted it to be a serious and uh, and ultimately tragic story. Um, and so I decided that our leading lady that Bill does fall in love with and in fact marries uh, is uh, is doomed. Um, and uh, uh, and Bix and I looked at a lot of film on a lot of different actresses, uh, and Marriott caught our eye, Marriott Hartley, because she had that year done a, a, t a TV version movie of African Queen, which is, you know, kind of a tough act to follow. Catherine Hepburn, uh, her leading man was Warren Oates, who was wonderful, but not exactly Bogart and Hepburn, you know, but she was wonderful in it. And, uh, and she also had this sense of humanity and weight and humor that Bix and I were looking for. And um, um, and so we met with her and, and said, yeah, you're, you're the one. We want to do it. Um, and uh, so that's that's how we went forward. And when, it's funny, you know, when Bill Bixby's agent originally gave him the script for The Hulk, Bill said, I'm not even going to read a script called The Hulk. And his agent <laughs> said, yes, you are, Bix. Yes, you are. And uh, and indeed, it won him over. And uh, when Marriott's agent gave it to her, she said, no, I know the same thing. And her agent said, Marriott, this is your Emmy. And sure enough, it was. And uh, and it was uh, it was terrific. And and she, Marriott and her husband, Patrick, uh, became great friends. Patrick went on to direct a number of episodes of The Hulk for me. Uh, Susie and I spent time with them at their family home in Jamaica. And uh, and on my 40th birthday, Adam, um, when I was in the middle of shooting V, my wife, Susie, gave me a, um, a surprise party. And it was at Marriott and Patrick's house and the whole cast and crew. It was really it was really wonderful. So we were we had been friends for a long time. Um, and um, when we started shooting, 
uh, our first day of filming, I think, was in July of '78, uh, July 21st, '78, right? And um, uh, and Marriott had just a few weeks earlier given birth to her daughter Justine. Wow. Uh, wow. So she was still she still had baby weight on her that we would have to hide a bit. And uh, but also um, she was nursing. And the very first day of filming, uh, we had that we were doing the scene uh, at the bar where she's getting drunk and picked up by the guys. Uh, and um, uh, and she had on this silk blouse and she started leaking. <laughs> as, as pregnant women will begin lactating sometimes. Sometimes we had to keep Justine off the set because if she heard Justine cry, it would immediately start. And we had we went through about a half a dozen silk blouses that day uh, to, to to get her through. I don't know if I told that story on the on the uh, on the full length commentary that is on the DVD and the Blu-ray. But uh, but and she was kind of embarrassed about it. We said, "Come on, this is real life," you know. So. Uh, uh, it was fun. And uh, also, I remember when she first saw Lou in makeup uh, and he walked on the set in makeup, she just really cracked. She cracked up. She couldn't help but laugh. She went, oh, my God, I've got to this is just really going to work. And, and I understood partly that because, uh, you know, part of the reason was we'd never been able to get the, the here. I brought it along. This is Lou's wig, you know, and Amazing. here. <laughs> This this fright wig, you know, this is what what they call in the in the business or in the circus a fright wig. Woo, you know, and uh, uh, and it was so so frustrating. And working at this multi million dollar company in a Universal with a great makeup department, and they could not get that hair to look right. So that just sort of cracked her up the most. And um, but she was immediately got into it and saw what we were trying to do, and uh, uh, and she was a great. She was great in rehearsal, and we we really worked through you know a lot of the scenes and uh, uh, the house that we shot in. We were looking for a, a, a location on the beach. We were supposed to be in Hawaii, of course, which of course we couldn't go to uh, on a, a million four budget. Uh, you just can't do that, um, and uh, and that was a million four back then, which would equal to about six million dollars now. But uh, it was you know we had to make Malibu work for uh, for Hawaii. Um, and we were uh, scouting a place called Paradise Cove, uh, which is uh, in, in Malibu. And, uh, uh, and we looked up on a hillside and John McPherson, my uh, cinematographer, said, hey, you know, I think that house up there, let's look at that house up there. We could see a house on this cliff, uh, right, you know, just uh, south of where we were. And we went up and <laughs> oddly enough, it was a house that was empty. And but the door was open, and there was a card on the desk that says, "If you're interested in this house, call this real estate agent." <laughs> and, uh, so we were we were able to rent a house, which later on, uh, trivia note, was owned by Sylvester Stallone uh, while he was involved with Susan Anton, uh, a woman who was one of my leading ladies in when I did the Cliffhanger series. You know, later on, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. uh, it was all connected. And, uh, um, so we shot uh, a good bit of the we shot the house as a as a real practical location, practical meaning it wasn't a set. It was really a real house there. Uh, and it had, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of things that, that recommended it. Um, but one of the things there was uh, and I was thinking about things that I might not have said on the uh, on the on the director commentary. Uh, but uh, Marriott's tall. She's uh, she's I'm six feet tall and she's almost as tall as I am. Bix is about was about five ten maybe, uh, which you know normally it's, they were about the same size actually. But when we were, we had to do the, this the walk on the beach where he proposes to her, 
uh, we were doing a walk on the beach and they started walking and, and uh, Marriott was on the inside and Bix was on the ocean side and Bix was like this, you know, let's <laughs> trade places. You walk down by the ocean and Bill will walk on the uh, higher side, <laughs> and it'll be the same size, you know? Uh, so, so we did that. And, uh, and there's a, uh, there's another story that I thought about today, Adam, too, um, because they were both really super professional consummate actors. And um, uh, and I had loved Bix from the time I saw him do this uh, television play called Steam Bath oh, in yes. 1973, which is just brilliant. And I and when I wrote the script for the Incredible Hulk pilot, I wrote it with Bix in mind because I just knew I needed that kind of a actor with that kind of range. Anyway, very very wonderful professional people. Okay, now. Um, the scene where he actually proposes to her and they were walking on the beach and it ends and it, it's a pause and they're together on the beach. And, um, uh, and, and it's one of the most touching, sweet scenes in the movie, as you know, having seen it recently again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a story that, uh, that my friend Nick Correa, who was one of my producers at the time, he said, hey, you know, there's a Zen story that might work here. And he told me the story about the man who's being chased by a tiger and falls off a cliff and uh, uh, and he's holding on by a branch and looks down below and there's a lot of other tigers waiting down there. And he notices on the branch there's a strawberry. And, and with all of this going on, he just pauses and says, well, what a wonderful strawberry. Yeah. I once heard a story about a man being chased by a tiger. He came to a cliff. He fell. But he grabbed a branch. And he just hung there, just out of reach of the tiger. And he looked down, and you know what he saw? Another tiger, waiting for him to drop. And then, he felt that the branch he was clinging to was coming out of the cliff by the roots. Now, while all this was happening, he noticed something. He noticed growing in the cliff beside him. A single wild strawberry. And with his free hand, he reached out and picked it. And he ate it. And he thought to himself, what a wonderful strawberry. It was a, a story about being in the moment, and uh, and it was a really it, it, important emotional scene, and it plays that way in the movie. On the set, while we were in the midst, just about to start shooting it, and I, I didn't want to shoot it at literally on the beach because the noise was too loud with the water, so we shot it uh, up uh, up at the top of the hill at the at the house, uh, so you couldn't see that we weren't on the beach, and and the two of them are there, and they're starting to do the scene. And they get the giggles. <laughs> now, this happens to actors sometimes. In the yeah. most serious scenes, something quirky goes, and they get the giggles. And, uh, and okay, I've seen it happen, and I just sort of wait through it. Okay, let's try another take. Okay, we'll go again. Let's go again. And they break up, and they go again, and they broke up. And this happened about four times, and I'm beginning to, my eyes are beginning to turn white. <laughs> you know, 
uh, and and uh, and finally, when it broke, when they broke up the fifth time, I said, "Okay, well, well we're we're out of this setup. We'll, we'll do this later sometime when they can get their shit together." And uh, meanwhile, we're going to break and go. We're going to go down to the beach and shoot. And I just walked right off the set and headed down and said, "Okay, guys, let's go." And left Bix and Marriott just standing there, and they were like, "Oh, uh, okay." <laughs> and, uh, but I didn't change my mind. I said, we're going to the beach. And we went down to the beach and shot something else first uh, and then came back, I think, either later that day or the next day. And uh, and they did what you saw in the movie, which is incredibly good. <laughs> you know? Oh, it really is. Yeah. You know, but um, uh, and um, the uh, uh, another couple of things that are interesting are the. Uh, the the place where they get married uh, uh, was um, was at the Ambassador College in Pasadena. Uh, this is a place I had run across once, and the location guys took me back there. And I said, "Yes, yes, this is perfect." On this little bridge with the water, and the, and it looked like Hawaii, also, you know. <laughs> uh, and um, uh, and we filmed we filmed there, and it was uh, it was such a really sweet day of of filming, and I. Later, when I was doing the Alien Nation series, we did our movie um, Dark Horizon, uh, and there was a, a, a wedding ceremony at the end of it, um, where I actually prevailed upon my wife Susie to play uh, the the alien priestess that married our uh, two newcomer friends, and we played it exactly on the same bridge at the same place. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, in Alien Nation, the Dark Horizon movie, you can see that uh, same same location being used again. Um, the, the trickiest part of the locations uh, scouting was to try to find an, a, a surreal landscape that I could believe would be inside Bix's head when he's telling the story and when she's got him, him under hypnosis, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and we did manage to find this place uh, 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 down in Brawley, it's a little town just uh, just north of the Mexican border, and it's a, it's a state park, and it's sand dunes, and uh, it's it, it really was like like the opening of Star Wars when C three PO and uh, R two are on the desert, you know, and it really it really had the kind of look that I wanted. Uh, but it meant we were going to have to do a location. We were going to have to take the crew in a, in a chartered flight and go down to uh, to the location uh, to uh, to to you know to shoot there. And uh, uh, and I there's a uh, there's a behind the scenes some footage in in the um, uh, in the DVD in the Blu-ray uh, where I'm telling the story about it. Because what happened? Let me see if I can share. Can I share my screen here? Let's see if I can. How do I do that? Uh, I gotta go find this thing up here. See if I can make this happen. There's that. Yeah, here we go. Okay. So this is the uh, this is the morning that we got there. And uh, can you see it? Okay, on your oh, screen. Yeah, sure. It looks great. Yeah. Okay. This is Ed Jeffers, who is my location manager and who had found the place. Okay. And John McPherson, my cinematographer, walking behind me, and we're walking in. And Ed came up to me and he said, "Kenny, we've got this big problem. You know, we, there's a man here that says we can't shoot on his land." And I said, what are you talking about? I can't shoot on his land. And this is our state parks, Ed. And he said, well, you, could you just come talk to him? I said, Ed, you're the location manager. Why are you asking me to just, just please just walk down here. Just please. If you just talk to him a minute, I think it'll probably be okay. So I'm walking down, you know, with all the burdens of, I've got to get all this very complicated shooting going. Okay. And I see this Arab coming toward me on a donkey. Uh, and, and I'm, and he's shouting, get off my land, get off my land, you know? And, uh, and I'm saying, wait, what is this? And it turns out that it's 
Bob Steinhauer, who is my line producer, who decided he wanted to have something funny to start the day with so that it would sort of break the ice for everybody because we knew it was going to be a difficult day. And this is the Ayatollah Steinhauer, we called him. And it was uh, one of the funniest things that uh, anybody had ever done to me. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Uh, He was so funny, wonderful, wonderful, funny human being and indicative of the kind of people that I have always tried to surround myself with, Adam, people who are bright and funny and uh, and just, you know, you want to be with all the time. And I brought this along to show you, too. This sits in my office. This is the original um, uh, makeup and look that Werner Kepler created for the Incredible Hulk sits in, in our office kitchen down here now. Uh, and you can see we never got the hair right. This hair looked pretty cool. And I realized later <laughs> when I should have done, you know, Louis Ferrigno had this big Italian hair all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and I should have, we should have shaved his head. You know, that would have made it a lot easier. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so this is what Brawley looked like. And uh, and you can see exactly the look that I wanted. There were patches of green out there in the desert. And we all, uh, we had to frame uh, the, the shooting so that we wouldn't see the green. Here we are, uh, you know, about uh, 200 yards away from them. And the sand, the, the, the temperature was 125 degrees. The sand temperature was 160 degrees. So we had to make sure Lou had shoes on or he would have burned his feet. And uh, one of the problems was that uh, it was so hot that his green makeup kept separating into the primary colors of blue and green. So when he was waiting around to go on camera, he would suddenly begin to turn blue and green. And uh, just before he'd go out every time, he'd, we'd have to rub him down and get him you know, back to green again. But, but again, this idea of, uh, of the hypnosis that I came to through too much from my psychologist friend Don Stoller's research led to the point where I actually could do what I wanted to do and have my heroes, both of them in the same frame, you know, at the same time. And um, uh, and it was it was really kind of, you know, a groundbreaking groundbreaking thing to do. Here's the one of the images from the and this is OK, a woman falling in bed, going to bed with Bill Bixby and waking up with a hole. like, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, and she was just phenomenal in it when she played it because she brought the reality to it that it needed to to have. And. Um, Here's the shot just before when we when we when they finally came back up after giving the giggles to do the scene. Uh, this was uh, me talking her through it uh, just before she and Bix started doing the, the, the scene together. Uh, and uh, and then this photo here that was captured by one of our friends on the set. Marriott has this in her house and she said that's her Emmy picture. Oh, <laughs> thought, oh you know, that is uh, it's it's so sweet. So uh uh, anyway, I wanted to, I wanted to share that with uh, with your your gang there, and uh, uh, I've never done that in a um, an interview before. So uh, consider it a first, Adam. Just <laughs> I feel special. Wow, that's fantastic. Those are yeah. awesome. And awesome. Not, and a couple of the other stories, and uh, probably uh, again, some of this may be on the on the uh, documentary in the uh in the dvd mm-hmm. uh but we the the house that she gets taken back to from the bar by the two guys who think they picked up a couple of hot girls um is uh, was a set that we built on stage uh, uh 38 at universal uh and it was built so that it it was a, like a two-level thing as you've seen in the movie where it collapses and falls down 
And uh, Chuck Davis had designed it and put it together. So that he said, he said, you got to be really careful when you're up there because it can fall down just in a second. It could just go crash, you know, mm. so be top, everybody tiptoes. So we got to this point where, OK, now this, the, the, the second st stage is supposed to the second story is supposed to collapse and it wouldn't break. <laughs> you know? and, 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 you know, they knocked out all the poles and everything, and it's still hanging there. And so the two stunt people that were up there were jumping up and down on it to try to get it to crash. <laughs> I, I swear to God, there's about, there's about 10 minutes of film while they're just jumping up and down. And, and, uh, and, and you know, I said, Chuck, it wasn't exactly going to fall over like a house of cards after all. And eventually it came, it came down. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, it was, it was one of those things that you go, Oh my dear. It just, uh, you know, uh, crazy stuff. Oh, what else can I do? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that always was so striking to me is that nightmare sequence and how you staged that. That was, that is just amazing to me. Um, the way that it, it, it so realistically depicts a nightmare. I've had nightmares like that myself. And it's just it. I don't think there's any other. I don't think. And I've seen many, many movies, many, many television series. And I I think it's one of the most realistic. And I, I, I assume you're over cranking the camera on Bill Bixby so that when it's played back at normal speed, it's he's slower, obviously, when he's chasing after the bus. And it's just it creates this real surreal nightmarish uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I was just trying to think of all the dream images that I could have uh, and that what it would be like. And and of course, I had all the original footage uh, of his wife's death, uh, which is the uh, it's, it's funny when I wrote the, my original script uh, for the pilot for The Incredible Hulk, uh, a couple of really close friends, uh, Steve Bochco, who had helped me get my foot in the door at Universal and who introduced me to a guy named Steve Cannell, who, of course, went on to create the Rockford Files and all of that. At the time, uh, the two of them were just sort of fledgling, you know, writers at Universal. They hadn't had any big hits or anything yet, but they got my foot in the door. And we all, well, the three of us sort of considered ourselves the class of 1980 at Universal <laughs> and, um, uh, because it was like graduate school with pay in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, but I, 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 had, I heard later on that when they had read the script before I'd shot it, they were sort of talking quietly to yourselves like, has Kenny lost his mind? I mean, you know, they, because uh, there, there was no dialogue in the first 10 pages of the original script uh, for the pilot of The Incredible Hulk. And, uh, and, this, and but you see, Bochco and Cannell were both writers primarily. And I was, on the other hand, primarily a director. I was a director long before I ever took my tried writing, which I didn't think I could be do and very well and, and be very successful at. Uh, but so I was always thinking cinematically and as a director. And uh, and I knew that it could work as a visual and uh, and how it, it, could, it could happen. And finally, when they saw, they came to the screening of the, uh, of the movie when it was done, it was like, Oh, right. Okay. That really works because it's all, <laughs> it's the imagery that sucks you in. And, uh, and I wanted to take advantage of that kind of imagery. Uh, one of the scenes where the bus is taking Marriott away and, yes. and getting further and further away, that was also shot at Brawley where we had uh, a real sort of surreal flat uh, desert or, you know, just endless kind of landscape. And, um, 
And I remember Marriott saying there were a few times where she was in the back of the bus looking out at us and waving. And we were chasing her in a, in a car with a camera set up on the car. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and all of us were there and we had our hats on backwards. And we, she said, you guys look like a 1920s film crew, <laughs> you know, with <laughs> backwards and, you know, like that. Um, but um, uh, but it, it, I was able to achieve the imagery that I was looking for that because uh, my my whole uh, I think what I've always tried to set out to do, Adam, is to make people feel, you know, what's going on, whether it's by dialogue and emotional performances or whether it's just by the visuals that will get inside their heads and hearts and uh, and, and really make them you know, connect to uh, uh, to what's what's important. And uh, and the humanity, I mean, that's uh, one of the you know, it's funny because all of my work from the Bionic Woman through the Hulk, through uh, V, through Alien Nation and, and everything that I've done, um, most of my stuff has been what the industry calls four quadrant stuff stuff it ha- it appeals to four quadrants it appeals to adult men adult women teens and kids for the most part uh and but my largest audience segment has always been adult women and uh and which is very unusual in the realms of fantasy and and science fiction and speculative fiction like i've done so much of um, and but I and people say, wow, did you did you set out to you know woo the female audience? I said, no, no, no. I just wrote what felt right to me and what was going to have the most humanistic uh, feelings. And and because I've always been more interested in emotions and and all of that as opposed to action and crash bang and car chases and stuff like that, uh, I think that's why my work has been so successful. And also because there's a subtext to it. Uh, I mean, Dr. Banner uh, is actually the same as the Greek tragic heroes who bring down the curse upon themselves by feeling like they know better than the gods, you know. And when you do that, the gods don't like you (laughs) and they they send little harpies to come get you. And um, uh, and and that's what uh, that's what, and Bix got it immediately when he when mm-hmm. he read when he did read the script at his agent's insistence for the pilot. Uh, he called me the next day and and uh, and came to the office and we we met occasionally a couple times but never had a, had worked together or anything. And he came blowing in the door at Universal, which is the way Bill walked into any room anytime. And uh, uh, he was such a force of nature. And he said, is this what we're really going to do? Is it going to be a drama? Is it going to be about humans suffering and all? I said, yeah, yeah. See, actors love to suffer, Adam. You know, (laughs) uh, know, Vincent Price once told me, if you want to win an Academy Award, you need to play a drunken nun. You know, and uh, um, and and so Bix really was was into you know digging into that and and making it happen and 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 I think that that uh, the subtext that I was always going for was uh, the Hulk was really about self control and about a man trying to find it and reclaim it and uh, uh, and that's what we tried to base as many of the episodes on as we could uh, and how the Hulk. Uh, manifested itself in different ways with different people. With Bixby, it was anger. With me, it might be obsession. Or with you, it might be greed. It might be, you know, the, all those different thematic uh, things that we can build a story on. Um, and uh, uh, and certainly, I, I was really intrigued about the idea of having my leading man get married. 
because I knew that would draw an audience in. What do you mean he gets married? He's he's got this problem, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, the woman that he goes to, ironically, to help him out is a woman who herself has a problem and is dying. And uh, and they and they strike the bargain. I'll help you if you could help me. That would be wonderful. And uh, oh, there's another funny scene too. Not a funny scene, but the scene where he reveals that he's Dr. David Banner. They're sitting in the house there. And uh, and I had shot Marriott's uh, angle, close up, uh, it was like a two shot about like this, you know. And um, uh, and then I turned around to shoot Bills and Bill said, oh my gosh, I can't remember that I have my hands like this, but I have my hands like this. <laughs> and well, he had his hands, I discovered on her side, like this down here. And when you look at that sequence, as it cuts back and forth between Bill and Marriott, his hands are up, his hands are down, his hands are up, his hands are down, you know, and, but oddly enough, a lot of people never even noticed that because the emotional line uh, and the, and the eyesight between the two of them is so strong and the chemistry they have is so strong that uh, they just, um, you know, they carried it off and it was, uh, it was, it was really, really wonderful. And, um, and the other thing that was tricky was trying to shoot the climax in a hurricane. Uh, I had there was a lot of great stock footage that I found, but if you but it was all very grainy and had it been shot during storms, you know. And uh, so when we were trying to figure out how to do it, I went to John, uh, my cinematographer, and I said, John, is there a way we can shoot it the way we normally do with our 35 millimeter good stuff, uh, but degrade it so that it cuts in with the stock footage and it looks like it's of the same piece, you know? Mm -hmm. And and that's what we did. We uh, we uh, shot it in such a way to try to make it look as crappy as we could. Uh, the one frustration we had was that we had to shoot it in sunlight uh, and it was not cloudy that day. So there are scenes where the rage is, the storm is going and all, but there's sunlight you can see coming through somewhere. And that's, it's always made me a little nuts uh, because when you're <laughs> shooting an episodic television show, you can't say, no, we won't be able to wait around for the clouds to come in because the studio will come down here and hang you by your thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Yes. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's an incredibly moving sequence too. you know, the way you stage that, too, with, uh, you know, the, the Hulk is holding her as she passes away. And then, you know, you've got uh, then Bill Bixby with this. That expression is just, oh, it's just heartbreaking every time. It just nails Bill it. Is, you're right, and I think, thank you, Adam, and and uh, it's it's Bix's work. It's it's what yeah. he did and what he does so well. And at the very end, when he's got the scene with Mino Pellucci, the young boy oh. who went, yes. went on to have a wonderful wonderful career, Mino did. Uh, that was one of his first gigs. Uh, and uh, but Bix is just, he's just that's that's what I saw when I saw that pr pr production of Steam Bath. Uh, it was a 90 minute show in which I saw this actor go through every color and emotion and range that I had, I had just was so struck by it. And, and also Bix has the, had this wonderful humanity and mm -hmm. people would say, well, what was he really like? And what you saw with Dr. David Banner was what Bix was really like. And, yeah. uh, uh, he's the kind of guy that you wish you could be driving along and you'd see him hitchhiking along the side and, oh, yeah, get in. I'd like to know you, you know. And uh, we were close friends from the day we started working together until I talked to him just a day or so before he died. And mm -hmm. uh, well, we were buddies all the way. I do have to mention something right quick before we wrap this up that I thought it's a private joke probably, but I noticed that the uh, reverend uh, who marries them 
is uh this the name of your editor <laughs> george uh Hanyan. i picked that up <laughs> oh that's funny well you know uh the character that susan sullivan played in in the original pilot uh was named elena marks and uh she was named for alan marks who had edited the original pilot who i just saw a week ago and celebrated his 99th birthday wow, with him. that's amazing okay. yeah great they were great uh, folks and uh, uh so anyway there is a in the uh, blu-ray and the dvd there's obviously more information that people can see and and the short circuit 2 is going to come out in a blu-ray edition in uh in november uh, and it's got terrific special features that we did for it. And uh, so I can recommend that to uh, uh, to the folks out there. And, and also, I can't go by without holding up my book. This is my I latest. I was going to say, yes, I know about that and, and promote <laughs> that for sure. <laughs> it's, a wonder, it's a wonderful book available uh, through uh, Amazon or wherever you get your book, bookstore. Yes. All right. Well, this has been fantastic. I thank you so much for giving me uh, some of your time and um you know, I would like to say that you have shaped my humanity as a human being with your work, uh, because I uh, really, as a formative, you know, child in my formative years, you know, the compassion that the character of Dr. David Banner is written by you, it made me want to be that kind of person to, you know, be kind to others, to help others, to do, wow. and uh, that has really carried me throughout my life. Uh, that that compassion and humanity that comes to him that you see and so the, and that comes from you so i wanted to thank you personally for that so oh you're more than welcome adam and it's a, it's the best review and the best kind of uh notice that anyone could ever hear that uh, uh and that's what i try to pass along to uh, my film students to uh, to really try to uh think about what they're going to present to the people that they're showing their material to uh, and to, you know, to try to choose from the humanistic side. And uh, uh, I'll continue to do that as long as I can. So, uh, but anyway, <laughs> thank you again so much. Seriously. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to sharing this with all of my listeners and the, the viewers that I have and, um, and best That's of good. luck to you. Well, we're always excited to see what you're going to do next. Is your wife here? No, uh, she died. Was it the storm? She'd been very sick. She was a doctor, wasn't she? Yes, she was. I want to be a doctor too when I grow up. Maybe I can find a cure for whatever made her sick. I wouldn't even be around to try if she hadn't saved my life. You weren't married very long, huh? Oh, it never would have been long enough. My grandmother always says, people never die as long as somebody remembers them.